0: Welcome to No Finish Line, a podcast with John O'Regan, sponsored by Great Outdoors Dublin. Hello and welcome back to another episode of No Finish Line, podcast featuring athlete interviews and discussion on running, training, travelling and adventure. And I'm your host, John O'Regan. This will also be part three of the Jantastic Journey, In part two we spoke to Jan about her recent visit to sports nutritionist Sharon Madigan and now we're going to have a follow-on from that and talk a little bit about her training and how she's getting on with the diet. Jan, welcome back.
1: Thanks Jan, thanks for having me back.
0: Let's start off with your nutritional plan. How are you getting on with that?
1: Getting on good, um, it's definitely a transition um, from what I'm used to. So it's getting into my head, I suppose, that I need to start eating that little bit more. Um, So I've gotten a bit better now at um, prepping kind of just so that I have food there, snacks, whether it be nuts or a banana or anything like that, just that I have something there that I know that I have to have it at a certain time Um, and then getting better at having, I suppose, main meals at lunchtime when I have hard sessions on that evening. So, um, yeah, it's going well. It's taken a little bit while to get used to because I don't have a huge appetite. So um, sometimes I feel like I'm forcing myself to eat but when i'm not really that hungry but uh, i suppose over time the body will just get used to it and then i suppose i'll be craving it that i'll be looking for it all the time
0: and did you have to make any adjustments to your weekly shopping list
1: Yes, as in just kind of just picking up some bit more pieces. Um, so like an extra packet of bagels or, or something like that, just to make sure that I have it there, that I'm not having to to go looking for it um, and just making sure that I have everything that I need to cover me for the week. Um, so kind of sitting down on a Sunday and kind of writing out, OK, this is what I'm going to have for, for the week and trying to change it as well, that it's not consistent, that I'm having the same thing day in, day out, because then obviously it gets boring.
0: And more about your hydration. Are you have you changed anything with that?
1: Um, I've started to take on some Luke's aid sport, uh, which I didn't do before. Um, I always, I suppose, when I seen those in the shops, I always kind of just avoided them because you just think of, oh, they're full of sugar uh, and stuff like that. And I I've always been very um, big on drinking water. Um, but now I'm actually starting to see the benefits of it. Um, where I'm, now obviously, I'm not drinking it all day, every day. Um, I just pick certain days where I've hard sessions, or even the day after a session, um, just to kind of get that. Um, um energy back into me um and then just sip on it through the day as well so yeah so that's helped
0: so you're using that as required rather than just taking it on board as a drink
1: yeah exactly
0: i suppose with well, lucas Aid sport will probably be a bit overkill for somebody who's sedentary and not training but for yourself you're using it to fuel your session that evening
1: yes that's true yeah And then as well, like instead of now as well, I see that they do kind of multi packs of it. So I make sure that I've kind of stocked up and I have it there that um, I just know I can throw it in my backpack on my way to work and and I have it there as well. So I'm not kind of going looking to try and get it somewhere.
0: Plus, it's a handy thing to have in the boot of the care for after training if you've had a particularly tough session.
1: Yeah, that's good.
0: And what about your snacks? Any tips on those?
1: Yeah, I've kind of I've had um, I've started stocking up on nuts as well, and I'm measuring out nuts and having them kind of just in like little Tupperware boxes and keeping some of them in work in my drawer just in case I walk out the door and I forget about them. Um, And then also I'm using Joe's protein balls as well. They're kind of nice at 11 o'clock with a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Um, I'm kind of eating those as well. So I always make sure I have a a few of those in the drawer as well, so I have to lock it in case some of my colleagues try and, and steal some of them. But <laughs> borrow them. <laughs> yeah, or borrow them. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, I'd have some of those there as well that I could have. And then because the type of company that I work for, we have a huge array of fruit. I could have any type of fruit that I want as well, which is great because obviously I'm not having to stockpile up on that. It's always there for me in work and we can take it home with us as well. So it's good.
0: And apart from the Aid Sport, have you added anything new to your nutritional plan?
1: Not really, no. I just kind of, I suppose, I'm just a bit more conscious of timings more so than anything, more than adding stuff. Because what I was eating wasn't wrong. It was just I wasn't eating enough of it and at the right times. So I suppose it's more that I'm getting the timings a bit better than actually adding anything different to to what I was eating.
0: So it's a very simple plan and that makes it easy to follow. Yeah. I'm guessing that everything you need is in your local supermarket.
1: Yeah, I can get it in local supermarkets. So whether Super Value or Aldi or or Little or something like that. So but I suppose the the big thing for it is, is that it's just prepping. So it's making sure I'm leaving enough time to prep for it. Um, so I'm kind of just looking up um, kind of recipes that I can have and um, kind of making one pot recipes as well, especially with the way the weather is at the moment, being cold. It's great just kind of doing casseroles or my favorite one, I suppose, would be a sausage casserole so I'm getting chickpeas and sausages and beans and everything kind of throwing all the nutritional stuff that I need but it's handy then because it's there then for a couple of days that I can just throw a bit of rice with it when I come in so I'm not having to prep for it.
0: Sounds delicious. It is. (laughs) Now let's talk a little bit about your training. Can you give us a typical training week?
1: Yes, so Mondays and Wednesdays I'm up at the club um, on the track so it would be a mixture of say Mondays at the moment are hill sessions um, so uh, this week is speed hills so while the hill is a little bit shorter obviously um, we're having to do speed work so run as fast as we can up and then and then back down and we'd have a 3 and a 5 minute recovery um, for that um, so that's good to, to get the lungs open and the, the legs pumping and then Wednesdays can tailor it can be a tempo night so it might be a 110-1, which is what I'm doing at the moment so a 1k warm up then 10k at a tempo pace and then another one K then cool down and then Tuesdays, Thursdays would kind of be like a recovery easy run. Friday is kind of like a another kind of easy ish type run and um, Saturdays then are my long runs and then a Sunday would be uh, a recovery run so but it can alternate it really just depends on how I'm feeling each day so while I might have something written down on paper it can change because obviously I would check in with the coach and he'll say how are you feeling today and then the session could be altered um, from whatever it is that's on the plan depending on on how I'm feeling.
0: And how has your training changed since you started to transition across to the 100k?
1: And the volume has gone up but even though the volume has gone up the paces have kind of come back just slightly as well and um, so where before what I would have been doing as kind of say a recovery run is now my training or my race pace and then my recovery runs have gotten a lot slower and I suppose maybe the recovery runs I'm finding harder than I am any of the other sessions because it's a lot slower than I'd be used to so I kind of nearly feel like I'm I'm not working out, but at the same time, I know the importance of of slowing down so that when I go into that next session, I'm ready for it as well.
0: And your tempo run has that changed or has that remained the same?
1: Um, it really depends. Well, the last couple of uh, weeks, I've been doing it a bit faster than I should have been doing it. Um, but I, I suppose it just felt like I was comfortable doing it, but. I've, I suppose I've just gotten used to that pace. Um, but tempo runs have gotten longer um, for the tempo part um, than they had before. So it's nice that I'm still getting to keep the bit of speed as well because I think if I was to do everything slow, it would just become boring and then i just get bored of it. So um, I like that I'm getting a bit of the fast pace thrown in there as well.
0: And out of all the sessions you've just mentioned, what would your favourite one be?
1: The pre-race shakeout. That's probably my, my favorite one. So that would be the day before I'm going to do a race. I'd have to do a, a warm up of 10 to 15 minutes and then I do six by one minutes on and off. So the one minute fast would be my race pace and then the one minute slow would be my recovery pace and then cool down. It's a good little confidence booster as well. And uh, I just like that I can just go and shake the legs out, I suppose. And it's a nice short session as well. So it's probably one of the shortest sessions sessions I ever do. and um, so I'm not sure whether it's the, whether it's the pace or that it's a shorter session that I enjoy it, but I suppose it, it kind of you know it's getting the body ready to know that okay it's going to do something when and um, the next day as well.
0: And with the long runs are you doing them on your own or are you training with a group?
1: It's a kind of it's a mix at the moment. and um, where today now I done a a rec- uh, long run and there was a good few of the La Cala crew were out with me as well. Um so that's great. It's great having company um on them. A few of the longer runs depending on when I've had to do it and if anybody was around and actually doing that distance they'd they'd come with me. Um which is which is great obviously having because it, it takes the monotonous away from it. Um but yeah it's kind of it's a mix um depending on what people are doing.
0: Now you mentioned the monotony A long run can be very daunting when you're thinking about it in the days beforehand. How do you mentally prepare before going into a long run?
1: Um, Well, I suppose if I was meeting up with somebody, um, that kind of, breaks it because, you know, there's going to be conversations and you don't really kind of you're chopping and changing. Like, for example, today there was, I think, about ten of us out. And so we kind of chop and change on who we're chatting to. God, we could be chatting about anything. Um, And it kind of you don't even notice the time going by and you don't notice the the kilometres going by as well when you're on your own. Yeah, that's a little bit harder that you're kind of I suppose I just focus on something that's in front of me and try and kind of just knock it off that way and not look at the watch, because I think if you start looking at the watch, kind of like what I was saying in my previous podcast is not to keep looking at the watch, because if you see that, oh, I have another 20K to go, it kind of it does play with your head. Um, And I don't listen to music um, when I'm out running as well. I kind of like to hear what's what's around me. But then as well, I suppose I suppose not to get used to listening to music anyway because they're banned from most races so um it's just kind of going into my own little world i suppose thinking about everything as i'm passing
0: yeah there's probably a few reasons not to be listening to music and one of them that you mentioned is that you can't use it during a race so if you start relying on it during training it's going to have a negative effect on you when you come into a race and then there's also the safety consideration so i think it's a good idea to restrict the use of music especially if you're in secluded areas
1: Yeah, and I'd run around a lot of the streets as well. So um, cars coming in and out of estates as well. So it's kind of that. And then I don't like to carry my phone with me. I like to bring as less as possible when I'm running, kind of nearly treat it as I'm going to be into a a race. So I don't want to be kind of making myself a target by having my phone stuck on my arm or anything like that. So um, yeah, it's definitely uh, wise not to have it.
0: Now, when you're training with a group for the long run, how do you decide on the long run pace?
1: we'd kind of we have a a group chat so we'd put it up and say to people okay we're doing a long run this is the pace we're thinking of who's looking at that um, pace Um, so there's kind of we'd have a lot of chit chat back and forth and kind of decide okay we'll stick with you for 10k but then we're going to pick it up and and so forth Um, so that's kind of that helps Um, and then if you obviously have a specific session like some of the sessions I would have where it have a mix of paces sometimes those ones are just better to do them on your own because um, you're obviously not everyone is going to be at the same pace as yourself. But it's kind of there's a lot of chit chat back and forth.
0: And do you think there are advantages or disadvantages to being with the group?
1: And I, I think there's advantages with being with the group because obviously it helps your chit chat in a way you don't notice it going going by i wouldn't really even say there was any disadvantages from it because it's kind of it's great kind of getting everybody out socializing and and getting around together and whatever paces and kind of loops that we would pick would be that if somebody wasn't doing the same distance as us they could easily just drop off and and go somewhere um or get get home quicker and stuff like that so they're kind of they're very planned as to Everyone is doing a certain um, distance, whatever it is, that we can all get back and that nobody's left on their own in some of the um, side streets or anything like that.
0: And you mentioned that today you had a particularly big group. I suppose that's because of the uncertainty of what's going on now at the moment with the coronavirus, that races are being cancelled. And you have clubmates wanting to continue the training in the hope that they will have something towards the end of the summer.
1: Yeah, all the lads were training for Boston. So they kind of had a plan. So it was either Boston or Limerick and they were training as they would normally do in the, in their plan. And then obviously everything with the coronavirus and races getting cancelled left, right and centre. And you're kind of, you're still training because you're hoping that it's not going to get cancelled. But because obviously everything has been cancelled, they didn't want to lose any of the training that they're doing because they're kind of, I suppose you have to look at the silver linings of it, that something could come up in, June or July when hopefully um this has all gone away. So instead of just stopping and feeling sorry for themselves, they said that they're just gonna to continue to train as normal. They're like a double a double plan kind of waiting and being ready for whatever opportunities come up next.
0: Going back to your training, you mentioned the shakeout session is your favourite. What session do you think you respond best to? What what session do you think you
1: are getting the most improvements from? I'd say that's probably the tempo session. Um, I seem to when I'm doing that tempo session, I'm getting more comfortable at the pace as well. Um, and I'm starting to see changes in my VO2, um, my recovery time, um, which has been great at the moment. Has kind of just seen the improvement from that. Um, so that would kind of be the the main one that I'm starting to see. Um, then I suppose the second one would really be the recovery ones. I'm starting to now kind of this is the fourth week, kind of getting into it now that um the recovery case is getting a lot better. Um, So I'm finding when I'm going into the next session then that I'm definitely fresher than um, I would have been before because I would have been doing them too fast.
0: And with your tempo run, that typically would vary from 4K at tempo pace up to 10K now because you're transitioning across to the ultra. And the paces that you, you are using were 10K race pace if you were running at 6K for your tempo. Then as the tempo starts to expand out, you start to slow it down and get closer to your half marathon pace. So with the 10k tempo, you were doing the half marathon pace. Would that be right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
0: And what's your recovery like after that?
1: After, straight after the tempo? Yeah, well,
0: are you finding that that's a manageable session?
1: Yeah oh yeah no it it is like before if I'd have been told you okay you have to do a 10k tempo now I'd have been like seriously Um, and especially because you're getting the shorter kind of warm-up into it but um, I was actually it's gone really well better than kind of I was anticipating because at first I was doing 262 um, and then I suppose my coach then noticed that okay maybe I'd start to benefit from stretching the tempo part out a little bit Um, and straight away we've seen it a big difference from it when we change it for the following week and um, going from the 262 to the one ten one. one. So, and I seem to have responded very well to it. So we're kind of um, monitoring that now to see each week um, how I'm responding to it. So um, possibly it might go up a little bit more or it'll just stay at the, the steady pace, I suppose. As I say, the plan kind of changes from a day-to-day basis.
0: And when you're running that tempo Run, are you on your own or would you have a group with you?
1: It'd be mixed. Um, it depends on if I start the session early. I could be on my own. Depending as well if people have races on, they're obviously not going to be doing their tempo on a, on the Wednesday if they've a race at the weekend. Um, but for the last couple of weeks, I've been with the my clubmates um, up on the track, and we've been doing it um, together. Um, sometimes in challenging weather as well. Um, like last Wednesday was uh, atrocious wind and rain, um, but we we kept going. We didn't uh, we didn't stop. So we're, we're hoping that all this bad weather will make us stronger. So when the race comes and it's a nice calm day, we'll be fighting fit.
0: Now, back in the first episode, we talked about your cadence and stride length, And we mentioned how we made some adjustments to those following off from the Limerick Marathon. And that's what, in turn, we think helped you when you went into the double marathon. So we might just explain a little bit about what we did with your cadence and stride length rather than you focusing on two or three things at the same time one of your club mates and your training partner stevie he was running quite comfortably at a cadence of 180 during the tempo so at that time we got you to try and fall into his footsteps and that in turn without thinking about it started to increase your stride length as you had to take less steps to keep up him, you were taking more steps than he was taking so that's how we knew your stride length was that bit less and the way we knew that that was going on was because we were looking at the stats from your garment when you finished and we found that by you actually fitting in with stevie's stride that that soon enough became your default for that pace did you find that much of an effort to do
1: At the start, I did because um, Stevie is quite strong, um, a strong runner. So I was a bit daunted by it at the start, maybe for the first couple of sessions. But then when I started to see that I was actually I was I was keeping with him. I kind of fell into the rhythm of it then um, and watching his stride length because um, sometimes I'd stand back kind of when he was doing it and kind of just watch what it was doing. Um, so it took my mind off it. And I think because I wasn't concentrating on the pace and the cadence and the stride length and just letting him do that and I just follow suit, um, it started to just become natural. Um so now it's kind of the two of us just, I suppose, nearly run identical now as well.
0: And the difference being it's such a small increase in your stride length but it means over the course of a marathon that you end up taking less steps because your, your cadence is less and that in turn is more economical
1: yeah and then I suppose as well when you were telling me that my stride length was uh, was slightly off as well I kept thinking how is mine off if myself and Stevie are practically the same height I used to always think oh um, he doesn't have longer legs to me maybe it was just that was what it was and um, so it was interesting kind of when we sat down and you explained it that I understood okay it's not actually a huge thing that I have to to do um, and now it just I suppose comes natural yeah you'll still get the odd session where it's it is a little bit higher or um, depending on obviously the route you take as well um, or the session that you take but uh, yeah I've definitely seen a, an improvement in it now
0: yeah and once you establish it you don't have to think about it because it just starts to happen it becomes a default and it was after the Limerick Marathon that we could see that you were starting to run I suppose take more steps towards the end of the race so your cadence was actually increasing because your stride length was getting shorter and that was to do with, with some muscle fatigue so you were taking more steps to try and run at the same pace, and that in turn tired you out before the end of the race. And that's something that we did fix between Limerick and Dublin.
1: Yeah, and I did see a difference when we compared sat down and compared Dublin last year um, to 2018. Um, we seen that there was a, a big difference in the cadence, and then obviously the, with the time then as well.
0: And then that made a big difference then when you moved across to the 50k. That the distance was increased, but again, you were taking less steps. Yeah, and that's why you felt you could still do another lap.
1: Yeah, because I just I had the energy; I hadn't used it all up from taking extra steps that weren't needed.
0: And hopefully, then that'll follow through to the hundred k. That once we fuel you properly, you should have your legs conditioned and be running more economically, and that should make the distance more manageable.
1: Yeah, fingers crossed.
0: Now, with regard your cadence. If you were using one of the modern garmin or Sunto watches you might not be able to access your run dynamics such as your cadence and stride length as you're running but you can look back at them when you're analyzing the session if you want to view them while you're training you would need to be using a run dynamics heart rate strap or the run dynamics pod and it's the pod that jan is using this allows you to actually view your cadence in real time on your watch so these accessories will make a big difference to you know, the functionality of your watch and they're highly recommended.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. And then it's great because you're able to see where things might have gone wrong or stuff like that. Like if I didn't have that when I was doing Dublin or even Donadie, we wouldn't have known, well, why was it fall, um, falling back? Um, like There are so many different scenarios, but because we're able to compare it with different races and different kind of sessions that I had done, it was definitely um, a helpful tool to have.
0: So the Run Dynamics pod, I think, is a great accessory especially if you are someone who doesn't like wearing the heart rate strap. But again, with the heart rate strap, there's also a few other functions in the watch that only become usable when you actually put the strap on, such as the lactate threshold test and also measuring your HRV. So maybe that's a subject for another podcast that we can go into the use of the Garmin in a bit more detail.
1: Yeah, that sounds good.
0: We're both using the same watch, the Garmin 945, so we can touch on some of the sessions that we that we do how we program them into the watch and also some of the other features in the watch that people might not be aware of
1: yeah that sounds good because a lot of people have these expensive watches and all they do is hit the run button and they don't actually do anything else but the watch actually can give you a wealth of information that can help you um, develop more and improve in your sessions so um, it's definitely worth it to to use it in the right way Um, so I think that would be a great session to to do
0: and also in the previous podcast, Dr. Noel Brick had said that the VO2 max readings on the watch were fairly close to the lab-based uh, results. Now, they won't be exact, but you can't afford to be going to a lab for every single session. So it's a good way, not that you need to be doing that, but using the watch, it's a good way of keeping track of your training and being able to monitor what the impact of each training session is having on your physiology.
1: Yeah, and that's true. Because even when I done a VO two test, um, myself in the lab, and then I was comparing it to my watch, there really wasn't much of a difference. Um, so it was kind of it was good to see that the accuracy was there, um, and it, it's it is very useful to have it.
0: Now, in the last episode, we'd also mentioned that you were had a few training races planned. Some of them were fairly close, and at the moment, it's looking like they're in doubt. What will you do? If you can't actually get access to those races,
1: you just keep the training going and because you've already done all the hard work and like these, this is um, a very serious kind of a time as well. So the race organisers aren't cancelling them um, willy-nilly. There, There's a, obviously a serious reason as to why they're cancelling them for the safety of other runners. Um, so my advice would be that just continue training, build on what you've already done. Don't let your training go to waste um, because there will be other races. We will get through the coronavirus and... Y- then at least when something does come whether it be June July or whatever time it's going to be and um, then you're ready um, for that race so I think um, it's very important I suppose and then for your mental health as well like if you're being stuck indoors if you're having to work from home it's still good to know that you can kind of work towards it I know it is hard when it's a goal that you've had and then um, it gets cancelled or postponed to a, another date um, but I suppose my advice would be just keep training as if that race is still going to happen happen
0: and then the other benefit is that if you have to cancel out the race you can just add in a specific long run to help you on your journey
1: yeah and then like obviously we, every, the advice is for social distancing and stuff like that as well so but you can still meet up with club mates and still go out and do um some sessions obviously not in in large groups or anything like that but yeah it, it's good that you can still keep the the long run still going as well and then you're you're keeping your fitness you're not losing it too
0: Exactly, and the same applies to races being cancelled. Your training hasn't been wasted. It's not the race that gets you fit and healthy. It's the training towards the race. The race is like the exam at the end of it. And if you were studying for an exam and and you didn't make the exam, all the study isn't going to waste because you've learned something. And you've got to have that kind of frame of mind rather than thinking, why bother? Why did I do it? And what a waste. It's the journey rather than the destination.
1: Yeah, I'd be in agreement with that.
0: Do you ever train on the treadmill?
1: No, it's something I um, I call it the the dreadmill. Um, I just it's something that I just I don't know, mentally just standing on the treadmill and running and not going anywhere. I don't know what it's just if I had to do it, if this um, coronavirus um, really takes over and I wasn't able you weren't allowed to go outside the door um, then, yeah, I would use it. But it would definitely wouldn't be my first choice.
0: OK, well, let's forget about the coronavirus just for a moment. What if the weather was really bad and you did have access to a treadmill?
1: I'd go on the treadmill then if I had to.
0: Well, you now, when you say if you had to, how bad would it have to be?
1: It would have to be where the snow was up to my waist or something like that and I wasn't able to, to get outside. Rain or anything like that wouldn't stop me. I'd still just go out on it. Um, but, yeah, it would have to be something, some serious weather to stop me.
0: Now, the reason I'm asking is I can't understand people's attitudes towards treadmills because I think the treadmills are a really useful tool and I would be inclined to use them a lot. Now, when I say a lot, I'm like, I wouldn't be using it a few times a week. But if I was going through a training cycle, I would find that the treadmill can actually make some of the training mentally easier, not physically easier, but mentally easier.
1: Okay. And I suppose, well, how would you find that?
0: For me with the treadmill, I think you have to know what you're going to do before you step onto the treadmill. So you have a definite session. I find that most people that are calling it the treadmill, they just step onto the treadmill and say running. But if you mentioned the tempo run that you're doing, if you went into indoors and we're doing it on the treadmill and doing it on your own, you don't have to worry about your pacing because the treadmill is going to set the pace. All you've got to concentrate on is getting it done.
1: I suppose, yeah, any time I suppose I was ever going to go on a treadmill, which wouldn't be a whole lot, I wouldn't have a specific session in mind. So I'd say, yeah, if I was to to try it the way, as you're saying, for a tempo session, I'd, uh, I'd give it a go. It's not that I wouldn't use them, it just wouldn't be my first choice.
0: Yeah, I think what affects most people is that they get onto the treadmill and then it feels very uncomfortable because it's a never heating environment and that can make it a little bit more challenging. But if you get onto the treadmill in advance and try and make the environment as comfortable as possible. You dress appropriately, say, wearing a singlet rather than a T-shirt, having two towels, having access to water and again, just trying to be as comfortable before you start and then you can get uncomfortable during your training. And when you start hitting your targets and you start to feel that, yeah, it's becoming a productive session, you might not feel the same way about it. Yeah, uh,
1: that sounds uh, a fair um, assumption, all right.
0: And the same goes to training on the track. In order to make improvements, you have to get uncomfortable during your training. But in order to get uncomfortable and get the benefits, you have to start off the session as comfortable as possible. So you have to make the environment comfortable before you can get uncomfortable. And that can be as simple as if it's a cold evening, you're wearing a hat and gloves and a light jacket just to maintain your core temperature so you're not kind of dreading it before you start. And then as you start to heat up, you can start to get rid of the layers. So you get yourself as comfortable as possible. And that allows you then to get uncomfortable during the session. And it's during that uncomfortableness that you start to get the training, adaption and grow.
1: Yeah, and that would be kind of, I suppose, at the moment with the way the weather has been when you get up like on Wednesday and it was lashing rain before the session. Nobody really wanted to go out, but then obviously it stopped and we went out and halfway through the session it started raining. But because we were actually out and we were actually manoeuvring already, um, like we didn't stop or anything. We just we just kept going because we had gotten to that stage where we were just like, oh, sure, we may as well just keep going.
0: Yeah, that's it exactly. It's easier to so start a room when it's dry and then if it starts raining during it, it's easier to accept it. But if you were on the track and you would no choice, well, there's always a choice, but on the Monday and Wednesday, there's less of a choice. So when you go onto the track, if you are wearing a rain jacket, again, that's making the environment that little bit more comfortable and it makes it more bearable. And then as you start to heat up, it nearly cancels out the effect of the rain.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of like a mental thing as well, I suppose, for people. And then it's the safety as well when you're on the track as well. And you've got other people that are out doing the, the same thing as well. And it's easier for if you did take something off, but then did feel uh, that you were cold halfway through. You can easily just pick it up and, and, and go again.
0: Yes, you're never really more than 200 metres away from where yeah. you have yeah. it. Makes it. And then plus on the track, as you mentioned, safety. We don't have to worry about traffic and you don't have to worry about obstacles or obstructions. We tend to do a good bit of our training on the track. We do our hard training on the track because we don't have interruptions like you would have out on the road. So it does make it easy to repeat similar sessions and by repeating similar sessions, it's easier to monitor your progress.
1: Yeah. And then as well, I suppose it's a mental thing. It's one less thing you're having to worry about, especially like if you got a, an injury or anything like that when you are running around the track or you, you kind of just felt uncomfortable at least you know you can stop that you're not too far back to have to go back for your car or your coat or anything like that as well so it's kind of mentally it takes a lot of that pressure off you so you get to be able to just concentrate on the session that you're in.
0: Now I mentioned there repeat repeating similar sessions one of the reasons why we do that is that it makes it easier to compare what you've done today with something you might have done a couple of weeks ago and that's how you monitor your progress and you get to see if you're responding to the training and if it's working for you. If it's not working for you, you got to change it.
1: Yeah, and that's what what's good about the sessions is like we could go from two hundredths or three or hundredths uh, one week. And then we slowly um, build it up on that as well. So it is good that we can track back and see what it is that we're doing. Like at the moment, we've had two um, hard weeks with, with hills um John's Hills of Pain, as we call them, and then we'd have two weeks of um, the smaller hills where we concentrate on speed. So the first two hills will be more about strength and then the next two hills then would be about um, how fast we can go up and down them. And and then it's good because you can compare each week to see how did you improve um, what it could you have done differently if it has gotten better then I suppose it's a good way of noting down well okay well what did you do different that day that you may have not done um, the time before. Um, it could even just come down to that you you didn't eat as late as you did the week before um, or that you might have just had a harder session or a race at the weekend and that was a knock on effect. So it's great that you can look back and kind of see the improvements or not improvements and then kind of um, build on it from that. So not, we don't do the exact same session every single week. We build on it and build on it to
0: so obviously to see that improvement to add a bit to what you were saying there about the hills typically when we start our hill training we do two to three weeks where we're doing a long steep hill and that's used for building strength then we move to a shorter hill which you kind of referenced earlier the speed hills it's a much shorter hill with less of an incline and we run that fast and then we will move from that to our track base section so we look at building strength And then we try to turn the strength into the forward motion because there's no good being strong if if there's nothing you can do with it the whole idea behind training is to become faster over a distance and with the sessions then the hill sessions they're typically they're the same even though they're on different hills so we do three sets of three we'd have three minutes recovery between the reps and then five minutes recovery between sets and the reason we have them standardized like that is It's easy for people to remember what to do and then you can compare something you've done this year with something you've done last year. It's a different environment, but the sessions is still structured in the same way.
1: Yeah, and it's it's nice as well that you kind of get a break away from the track as well, because if you were to do everything on the track, it does um, become a bit monotonous. Um, so it is kind of nice to have that um, change there as well, which is what I suppose a lot of people like as well, that they have it, because majority of races that we would do, especially in Ireland, they're, they're definitely not flat. So if you weren't doing any hill sessions um, and then you went into a race and it had a big hill in it, you'd be kind of uh, having a heart attack, having to... To run up with. Um, So it's kind of good that you you are building on the strength of that as well.
0: And again I'll reiterate, we're still doing the same sessions but they have changed because of your race demands. So what I'd say is the context determines the content. The context is the race you're doing, whether that be your 100k or a trail race or a city marathon. And then the content is the individual sessions that fit into it. So in, in the context of the 100k, we have made the tempo sessions longer but slightly slower if the context was you were going to be taking part in a long trail race we might then put more emphasis on the hill sessions and we would then also bring your long runs into the hills at the weekend so we would try and be as specific as we can with the individualized sessions so what you're doing now is a hundred kilometer or planning to do now is a 100 kilometer race that's going to be around a fairly flat loop on country roads and that's what we're we're training for so the content has to be put into the context and when you were training for the 50 kilometer race in Donadie I know that you went down and did some sessions in Donadie just to get a feel for the terrain and know what elevation you were going to be having on each of the loops knowing when you had to hold back and knowing when it was safe to push forward what would your thoughts be on that
1: yeah, I, that would be be true for doing that. And what I like to suppose, especially about the Dundee one, is is that I did get the opportunity to do a course recce. And if it anybody is doing a race and there is the opportunity that they can do that, I know it's not visible for everybody if you're doing it in another country. But to do a course recce, because it does kind of give you a bit of confidence boost as well when you're going around that you do know where whether it be an incline, a hill, um, and where you can um, get your family even to, to wait for you to that you can see them so you can kind of do markers um, and kind of pinpoint places um so that you know when you get to that point you can either take your gel or your water or that you're going to see your family Um so yeah it's definitely and your training should definitely be specific for what it is that you're doing there's no point in me going up and doing um, hill or mountain runs every week if I'm not actually going to be running in the mountains um, so it's going to just um, I'm going to get fatigued from doing something like that um, so if it is obviously a flatter race um, yeah you can throw in the odd hill session because it's not that it's not going to um, benefit you it will because it's going to build on strength when I'm going into those races um, which is really good
0: and you'd have to ask with a long run in the mountains do the benefits match the risk there's also a chance that you could roll an ankle or or pick up some kind of an injury.
1: Yeah, and then it might even as well take you longer to recover. So you could go and do a hill session for whatever length it is and um, think, oh, this is great, and you feel great afterwards. Um, And that's all well and good, but then if you can't go out and run the next day or for your next session um, because you're still recovering from um, doing that hill session then you're not actually adding any benefit. Well, you might think you are at the time because you're out and you might be five, six hours out in the mountains um, and enjoying it. Um, yeah, it's not specific then to, to what it is that you're, you're going to do.
0: That's a very good point. Training needs to be consistent. You need to layer sessions on top of sessions to get the best benefit. If recovery from a session means you have to miss a day or miss two days, you are missing out or you are losing the adoption that you have going to be training for. So, again, we'd say try and be as specific as you can with the training. Know what you're training for. And what you mentioned there about wrecking a race, there are also ways of wrecking a race without going there or wrecking as best you can. by looking at Strava sections, the course profiles, Garmin Connect, and maybe getting in touch with competitors who have previously done the race through four online forums, and there's there's lots of those. And requesting information for races and people will be quite helpful because with the running community, although there's a lot of competition there, a lot of friendly competition and some serious competition, but people are very forthcoming with advice and information.
1: Yeah and it's a good thing as well like because most of the especially the bigger races as well they'll always have maps kind of like the Dublin Marathon they have a map um, so that you can see where it is that you're going the different areas that you're going to be hitting so um, I definitely look at any of the websites belonging to the race if they have it um, or as you said um, social media as well Um, there is definitely a lot of information out there that you can get and then some people as well do blogs on races too which is good because they give a breakdown of each mile nearly or each kilometer um so you can kind of and it's very rare that courses change um that much they might just take a different turn or something like that but um it is good that that information is there and it's useful for people that are are traveling to say races and can't do a course recce
0: now i think we touched on a lot there so unless you have anything to add to the mix i think we might call it a day on this one
1: no, it's just, I suppose, for everybody just to continue on with the training, um, no matter whether your race is cancelled or not. Um, just take the silver linings out of it that you can build on that training. And hopefully we'll get through all of this and there'll be races and there'll be a lot of personal bests, I think, um, come the summer or September and October when everything is back.
0: And what I think of it, and this will be a test to see if anybody is actually listening to the full podcast, We mentioned Joe's balls and Joe got in touch with you to say that she was going to give you a discount code.
1: Yeah, she um, gave me a discount code for all, any of the listeners. So if you wanted to go on to her website, AbsoluteNutritionStore.ie, and use the code Jan fifteen, um, you'll get fifteen percent off any of the purchases that um, she has online. Um, my advice is uh, definitely to to go on and have a look at all the different options that she has there. But there are also then as well easy to get if you if you wanted to venture out you, she has them in the local super values and um some spars and uh, fresh as well so but she has a list of all of them on her website as well so that might be a good thing to to go onto that and get in all your supplies um before they're all gone before i've bought them all that is
0: and most of those shops that you've mentioned are in dublin and ireland so if anybody's listening from abroad you can shop online with the website so thanks very much joe And thanks again, John. And I look forward to episode four.
1: Thanks for having me, John.